Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Um, I'm your host, Chris Marshall. Hope you're doing well. And we're back again with another episode of There's Your Dinner, where we bring together a shared passion for football. And then we throw in a little bit of food chat at the end, was getting to know a familiar face from the world of Scottish women's football. And today I am joined by Aberdeen's Lauren Campbell. Uh, Lauren, thank you very much for coming on. No worries, thank you for having me. Um, before we get on to the football chat, how's uh, the last couple of months been for you? Um, yeah, not too bad as a whole, I would say. Um, I'm lucky enough still to be one of those that are working from home. Um, work as an engineer, so got my desk and my laptop here at home, um, which has passed the time for me, thankfully. Um, but apart from that, just keeping fit. Um, we're trying to keep fit without football and uh, trying to keep busy as well. Um, yeah, I might, I might tap you up for some tips afterwards. I've just had a mini crisis uh, trying on a football top, literally just before we started recording. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe something we'll look at. Um, so, you're obviously at work just now, you've mentioned trying to keep fit. How have you found that kind of balancing working from home and obviously still having everything else going on around about it? Um, yeah, I'm, like I say, I'm quite thankful to still be working because it's passing my uh, Monday to Friday at home. Um, and then to escape from the desk, it's just, it's been running um, most of the time. Um, try to get the ball working a wee bit, it's quite hard when you're by yourself or just with one or two others. Um, but from Aberdeen's point of view, they've been giving us um, programmes and fitness programmes. And as a team, we've tried to be used the Strava app, um, taking challenges and setting each other sort of small challenges or running challenges, fitness challenges, just to try and keep us, keep us into it and keep us focused, I suppose. Do you find yourselves, because you're footballers, do you find yourself naturally quite competitive once you start getting going in those kind of apps? Yes, very. Well, especially <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about your career today and then we're going to round off, as we usually do, with a little bit of food chat. So it's probably the first thing I should probably ask is, in terms of football, is it something that was always a part of your life from a young age? Uh, yeah, definitely. I can't really remember a life without football, um, if I'm being honest. Um, my dad played football, my cousins played football, watched football. Um, yeah, so, and I grew up in like a small cul-de-sac uh, with a park at the end and it was like the old fashioned, uh, get your jumpers in for posts and just yeah. play with whoever's on your street for football. And that's how I got into it. And then eventually they went into sort of team playing. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, in terms of getting into that, that team play, was it something you were encouraged to do from an early age? Yeah, definitely. Um, there was a girls team at my school, in primary school. Um, I think I really wanted to play football in primary two, um, primary three, and you had to be in primary five um, to play for the team. I think they felt a bit sorry for me, so I think in primary three I was allowed to, to join the school team and take part, and it, it just went from there, really. And um, you had lots of encouragement from the family. What was the first club that you joined then in terms of like age and where was it? Um, well, we'd be in my primary school, which was like Fisher Moss Primary, just like a local Aberdeen school. And then I played for um, just my village. It was Port Lethen Sports Club uh, in with the boys and the girls team at one point. Um, and then from there, um, Aberdeen spotted me and that's when I've been really ever since. Yeah, so you joined when you were 12. Um, we were just talking about beforehand. I, I made an assumption you were an Aberdeen fan um, and, and you said that, that might not be the case. Um, but I mean, what was it like? Put, taking aside who you support for a wee second, what was it like turning up at a, like a professional, a team that's got a professional name, and obviously Aberdeen, one of the biggest names in Scottish football? Can you remember what it was like turning up on that kind of first day? Yeah, well, 
mostly can remember playing against them before that. That's kind of where I got spotted, kind of getting gobbed 8 9 nil by them because um, they were like the gulf of women's football up here at the time. Um, so turning up, yeah, I was quite nervous. Like, sorry, if you're good enough, um, who are these people? Because you're just used to playing with your friends or your your schoolmates, knowing all these people you grew up with, you play. And then when you go to Aberdeen, it's sort of a different environment. Um, but I've made friends I've had for life, so absolutely no regrets going to Aberdeen. Um, so being there since you were 12, there have been ups and downs in that period, I think it's probably fair to say. Um, the last couple of years, uh, down in SWFL 1, after being up in SWPL, uh, that last season when you were in, in that SWFL 1 North, what was that change for you like, from, when you consider where the club had been in the pre- previous couple of seasons? Yeah, personally for me, obviously, it was like it was a wee bit of a step down. Um, but I think, I don't know if you know our team that much, but we've got a very, very young team, so... We just we looked at as it as a positive. Um, maybe we needed to go down. Like, do you know what I mean? Sometimes that's what happens with relegation in football. So we just took it a really positive. Um, we rebuilt our team. We got all quite a few young players in um, from different clubs in Aberdeen. And um, yeah, like it's just sort of Emma has this one team mentality. So we all we all built into that, and we just thought let's try and develop um, for the next season without being disrespect to the league we were in. Um, so yeah, we tried to focus on the way we wanted to play. Unfortunately, for the season, that's not really kicked off yet. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, like, like looking back to last season, we second um, in the last season SWF awards. Aberdeen did pretty well. Um, I was there. I remember thinking Aberdeen would go in this. Um, <laughs> when you look back in that season as a whole, uh, and obviously the, the end of getting back into SWPL, is there anything that you kind of took away from it, either personally or as a team? Um. Yeah, I think maybe just like if you set yourself goals um, and be ambitious, it is surprising what you can do with it. Um, we moved into Carmark Park, which you probably all know recently, and I think that was a massive drive and boost. Um, and just Aberdeen took us on properly last season, and I think we reaped the benefits within our first season um, so much with our sports science. Um, we get social media training. Uh, we have team meetings every week to look at who we're playing, and we just tried to say... Well, we're going to play much higher opposition next year, so let's practice on what we are going to do for the next season. And I think it really works. So I think just that as a whole, um, collectively coming as a team, um, creating your plans and making them happen was was a big achievement for us all. You mentioned there that Aberdeen, kind of the, the men's side, came a little bit closer to the women's side over the last year or so. There's actually a couple of questions I'm going to ask you, so we'll do it just now. How has how's that happened then in terms of the... Change was it a, was it a sudden thing or was it be, has it been a gradual process in terms of that kind of coming together? Um, I think it has been gradual. I think they have been looking at us um, for the last few years um, with the growth of women's football. Obviously, most clubs are interested in it, but I think it was just timing. I think they knew the facilities we're getting and how much more they could help us to what we had, um, I suppose, in the previous years. So maybe it was just good timing for them and exceptional timing for us because we wanted to get back up and bounce back from that relegation. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I noticed uh, was that the, the, the women's squad has now appeared on the Aberdeen website, which is pretty cool. Uh, I think it's still getting built a little bit at the moment, but it's, it's cool to see that. You mentioned also Com- uh, Cormac Park, uh, moving from Aberdeen Sports Village. How big a change is that? And how I take it you view that as a positive uh, when you look at kind of the facilities that are available to you now? Yeah, I mean, we didn't really overly struggle for facilities at the Sports Village. It's a very good complex in Aberdeen if you've been, but 
it's more like being integrated to the club. Like we feel like we're just as important as as a boys team or a reserves team, and um, it's like a one club feeling. Like you go to this one place, there's first team players floating about in the gym, uh, reserve team players, youth players, and like small things like receptionists, sports scientists. We've all got that dedicated. We've got our own changing room. Just small pieces that just make it so much easier. And um, I suppose what we should be having as well. And I suppose the thing with the North East as well, I mean, in the Scotland squad at the moment, you've got like the likes of Kim Little, Rachel Corsi, who have um, obviously come from your neck of the woods up there. Um, do you still feel like the North East is maybe a bit of an untapped market? And do you think this kind of move to you know, almost more slick set up for Aberdeen is going to help with the growth of those players? Yeah, definitely. I think before it was sort of, oh, you need to go south, you need to go south to to be seen and to, to develop. But um, the young players in our team, they've been in this National Academy now for a few years and they're really stepping up their progress there. They're getting so much more opportunities up north. I think we're starting to catch up. Um, and now with someone like Aberdeen coming in and you're getting sports scientists and more opportunities but at our club, um, hopefully it'll help to create more, even though we have had some good names come from the north, as you said. Uh, you've mentioned young players, Ailey Shore and Francesca Logan, just a couple of them, there's, there's lots in the squad. I've actually seen probably the performance side more than I've seen the senior side, funnily enough, just because of the way it sometimes works like that. Um, being one of the more experienced members of the squad, I think you touched on that earlier on, do you feel like you have things that you can help teach these players in terms of their development? Yeah, I don't think you really think about that when you're playing alongside them because, like, well, I'm away to be 29 and I just feel like I've just, I don't know where the last 10 years went past. I obviously was their, their age at some point. But, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I've been through the same sort of pathway as uh, those guys are in the youth systems that they're at at the moment. But I think just, like, teaching them to be, it's about a team player. Like, all these players are very individually talented, but just be a team player and work hard. And with opportunities they, these girls have now in front of them compared to when I was their age is just massive. So it's definitely in their sights that professional is something they can they can work towards. And not being super hot on my northeast kind of football, is there a performance centre up, up, um, up towards Aberdeen or is the closest one? Yeah, we have one in Aberdeen. I think it's um, part... Um, SFA and part RGU, the university we've got up here. Yeah. Um, so they go in there and I think they use the sports village facilities as well, which is the indoor artificial pitch. So they don't struggle for facilities at all. But yeah, I think it's four mornings a week. Some of the girls in our team are doing football based and strength based training. So Yeah, I've seen some of the videos that have sometimes done the round of the, the performance centre stuff and it's pretty full on. But then I suppose that's kind of, if you want to do it, that's what you've got to kind of do. Um, we did get a little bit of football at the start of this season, just a little bit. And we had the SWPL Cup, which was a bit disjointed. Um, and you had your opener in the league as well in SWPL too. How, how do you view this, how the season started for, for yourselves? Um, it was a bit of a mixed bag, if I'm being honest. Um, we had some couple of really good results. We played Hearts in pre-season and then we played them in the Cup. Um, and we looked at them and thought, well, they just won the league. We're away to go into, so let's see how far away we are from them. And uh, we managed to beat them 2-1. Um, I think both teams will say that day that the conditions were horrendous. So um, I will say that. Um, but I think that was for every game we played. The wind was not really a good factor. So it was a shame to start the season the way we did. Um, but that's part of football, I suppose. And then, come on, it got a draw. We were maybe a bit disappointed. 
But looking back at that game, we did go down 1-0 and we clawed it back. So I think there's positives to take from that, if I'm being honest. Yeah, um, and obviously with the, the season stopping at the moment, how how would you like the season to kind of come back? If, 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 you were, if you were given the power to decide how everything came back, how would you like to see it come back? Um, I'd like to see it come back this year. That would be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Um, we spoke about it in team chats after quizzes and we're maybe hoping that we play winter football. We go back to the men's season or do we play a half season like we did a few years ago to get ourselves back into summer football? Um, but May is September, a bit hopeful. I'm not too sure at the moment. But um, yeah, that would maybe be the best part, I think. We're a bit lucky if you look at the Premier League that are trying to finish off leagues. We're only one or two games into our season, so it's not having maybe massive impacts on results or how it's gone for you so far. Um, but yeah, as a player, it's looking like back-to-back pre-seasons, isn't it? It does, it does a little bit. Um, I'm interested to get your take on um, summer, summer winter football because it's obviously at the weekend, we're recording this on Tuesday. No, we're not. We're recording it on Monday. Um, and at the weekend just passed. There was a little bit of news that kind of leaked out about uh, a vote just in kind of the ideas of summer winter football. What's as a player? I mean, I'm guessing part of it is you don't really mind as long as you're playing. But would you have a preference in terms of what happens going forward? Um, I don't think I do. I think there's pros and cons to both. If you play summer football, you're kind of starting in the winter, aren't you? And your pre-seasons in the winter, and I think. That cup that we played the start of this season, like we struggled, struggled like the few um, games that were cancelled on t- such a sort of tight schedule. Yeah. It would be very hard to recoup them games, even if we weren't in this situation. Um, and then summer football, it's fine at the start, but maybe you lose games at sort of the winter end. But I think it maybe ties in slightly better with international fixtures for those players if we play winter football. But for me, selfishly, just whenever we can get back to football is the best option. No, no, I'm totally with you. The sooner we can get back, the sooner we can start going to games, it's, it's excellent. Um, what about in terms of the yourself kind of long-term ambitions? What, what, what's your kind of next kind of five years in, in, in your head at the moment? Is it just keep playing? Yeah, keep playing. Touch wood. I'm way to be 29 this year, but I think most players can play into their 30s, can't they, these days if they take care of themselves. So as long as I don't get any bad injuries, serious injuries, I'll just keep trying to play football because I just love playing it. And um, in terms of kind of life after the game, would you, would you be interested in staying it, kind of going into coaching or is it something you maybe see yourself stepping away from or even doing something completely different? Yeah, I always used to think I didn't have so much patience for coaching, if I'm being honest. But um, yeah, I've been working my way through my badges. I've actually got my C licence um, last year. And Aberdeen are quite good at encouraging us um, slightly older players, we'll call ourselves, to start our badges. So hopefully, because I've been there for so many years, there might be something for me at Aberdeen afterwards. But since doing my C licence, it's opened my eyes. I actually really enjoy doing it. So, yeah, I think maybe coaching might be the way forward for myself. And in terms of the coaching at Aberdeen, of course, there's been a slight change as well because Harley's moved to Australia. Um, And Emma's still there, but it's uh, Stuart Bathgate's come in as well. Have you had a... Cause did that happen before the season started? I feel like it happened kind of during the lockdown. Days are merging into each other a little bit at the moment. Yeah, I think it was maybe properly announced um, during lockdown, but I think poor Stuart, he's only had maybe three or four <laughs> sessions with us. And then we broke up and he had to host a Zoom quiz. So he's been uh, <laughs> chucked in at the deep end. But um, 
Yeah, Stuart's actually, he was in charge of a team in our league last year, so he knows a lot about us, and we actually train side by side with that team um, most nights, so it's someone we're familiar with, I suppose, but not totally got to know yet, so yeah, we feel sorry a bit for him. Um, he didn't quite get to, to migrate in properly before we split up, but yeah, he's been on all the Zoom calls, on all the team meetings, and he's been texting us, looking after us, so yeah, hopefully he feels a wee bit more integrated, even in this situation. I'm sure he's especially looking back to try and get back to back on the pitch. How is it? How is it having like 20 head coaches? Is it something you've always had, or is it? How how do you feel as a player? Does it ever cause any conflict for you? Do you feel it just the relationship's usually pretty good, so it doesn't make that much of a difference? Yeah, growing up, I've never really had the sort of 50-50 dual coach. It's always been sort of one stronger leader than the other, but. It's actually an Aberdeen thing. Every youth, every youth team has two coaches. Um, it's probably for cover and it's for having that sort of, they can bounce off each other. But um, yeah, Emma and Harley were both very, they're both very, very good at their job, but they're both two different people. And strangely, it worked really well. Like they bounced off each other. Um, some, like Emma's quite motivating in talks a lot Harley was quite quiet tactical um, plans everything so yeah it worked really well okay um, I think we've talked enough about football just now we are now going to round out with a little bit of food chat um, I've started not telling people about this so apologies I'm now just dropping on this on you right now <laughs> but it's, it's, it's all good in terms of like food would you say you're a bit of a foodie do you like do you like your food yeah I like eating it I'm not very good at cooking it but yeah I'm a bit of a foodie Eating's the best part, so that's okay. That's all right. Um, so that's uh, probably one of the first kind of questions I like to ask is like, for me, breakfast tells you can tell a lot about somebody from breakfast, and I've learned quite a lot about Scottish footballers, especially in the women's game over the last few month and a half about breakfast. So what's what's your usual breakfast kind of of a week? Um, if I'm working, it's normally like porridge, a yogurt, and a bit of fruit, like nothing very exciting, but. Um, since I've been at home, boiled egg on toast has been the go-to. Um, not very eventful either, but that's it, my favorite. Um, so porridge, yogurt, fruit. I was I was waiting for that to come washing. So the, the, the boiled egg on toast. Do you have anything yeah. or is it just plain boiled egg? Uh, just plain boiled egg with a tiny bit of salt on top. Yeah, a wee bit of salt. That's quite good. Um, in terms of like when you're on match days, because Aberdeen obviously... The, by far the furthest away of the SWPL clubs at the moment. Um, kickoffs usually one at Cormac Park for the opening games. That yeah, that's their kickoff. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously you can play anytime between like twelve and four um, in SWPL too. Does that change how you prepare on a day, or do you just approach it the same way, irrespective of the kickoff time? Um, I try and approach it the same way. Like you say, we kick off at one. I think we've got a couple of exceptions that we had to go at four for um, other people at the club. But yeah, I try and uh, treat it the same, but it's kind of, because we're so far north, it's the away days. So yeah. you kind of have like an away day normal and a home day normal, if that makes sense yeah, when you're traveling. Um, so yeah, two types of normal preparations. So what's, what's the kind of the away day normal then? Because obviously that, that can still change even from, from week to week. Yeah, away day normal, like it's trying to make something the night before, so sort of like chicken and salads, take it on the bus, and then we get sandwiches and pasta, um, energy drinks all from Aberdeen. Um, so that's as good as it gets when you're traveling, I suppose. Have you, 
like I have noticed, and I notice this in all football, to be honest with you, um, bags of bags of jelly sweets are quite a big deal. Is that something that flies at flies at Aberdeen? Yeah, we've got um, Carrie's in charge of that. She's got to, <laughs> to take the gummy sweeties. At, since she always sits to my left for some reason, it's it's more of her sort of pre-match rota. So yeah, that's in charge. She's in charge of the jelly babies. And, uh, is it jelly babies? That was my next question. Is jelly babies the one that kind of gets gets you going? Yeah, it's jelly babies that are passed around in her changing rooms. Yeah. Awesome. Let's uh, let's talk about like your favourite foods. Then, so you said that you're not big into cooking, but you like eating. Um, what's your if you were put in a desert island and got told you could only have like one dish for the rest of your life? What what would it be? I quite like a lot of foods to be honest, but I think if I was in that situation, it'd have to be mints and tatties. Oh, did and I don't know if you've listened to any of these, Lauren, but um, Jade from Jade, no, it wasn't. It was Akira from Dundee United said that mints and tatties was our food hell. What? Um, what? Yeah, this is my reaction to it as well. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of your mints and tatties, like um, obviously mints is mints. Do you have like onions and peas through it? Yeah, yeah. And the tatties just boiled. Uh, mashed tatties, preferably. Mash, yeah. mash is cool. Mash is cool. But no mints and tatties. Um, I was aghast when uh, Kira had said that that was our food hell. I can just can't believe it. Scottish <laughs> talking about mints and tatties. What about food hell then? So let's say you are. Like, somebody just put something in front of you and you're just like, I just could not eat that, no matter how much you paid me. Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty good at eating it. The only thing I really hate is coriander. Like, anything with too much coriander in it, I just, yeah, I can't, I can't eat it at all for some reason. What is it? Is it the, the soapy theory? Is that, or is it just in general? No, I, I don't know. I just don't like the taste of it at all. Yeah, one of my uh, one of my mates says it tastes like soap anytime he puts it in his mouth, so he doesn't he doesn't have coriander. But yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, got a question for you, and I ask this question on all the podcasts as well. Turnix make four products. They make the tea cake, the wafer, the snowball, and the caramel log. If you had to pick one, which one would it be, and why? Probably the caramel wafer. Caramel wafer. Yeah. I- I'm not really sure why. Probably a bit of chocolate, a bit of crunch, and it's good with a cup of tea. Probably. I was going to ask you a dunker. Is that, is that something that would happen with it if you had one? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. No, caramel wafer and tea cake are miles ahead in this. The other two, I don't think you've had a selection yet. Um, <laughs> last question then. Say Aberdeen uh, do the business this season whenever it comes back. You win SWPL2 and you're in charge of the night out. What would uh, the night out look like? We've, we've kind of got like a set night out for the end of the season and it's um, we we'll always go for food um, so all the young ones can obviously join in we've got quite a young team and we we'll normally do activity or something sort of bowling um, sort of that type of thing but we always end up in the karaoke bar Nice Have you have you got a particular song of, of, of your repertoire? Well no we kind of like we rent a room in the karaoke place so we kind of drown each other out and no one roughly <laughs> Who's singing? So that's kind of the point of it. <laughs> is there any low-key superstars though? Is there anybody who's like fancies himself as a bit of a singer once they get going? Oh, take your pick. I think there's a few. Carrie's pretty good. Um, Lauren Gordon's pretty good, and Natasha Bruce. They're probably the three that'll take the mic the quickest. That's a, to be honest with you. That sounds. A, I like a karaoke, so that sounds a pretty good night to me. Have something to eat. Do some karaoke. Give it your This is awesome. But Lauren, thank you very much for coming on and doing the podcast. It's really appreciated. 
No worries. Thank you for having me. And thank you very much for listening. If you really enjoyed that, please give it a banging review. It really helps us spread the word out. It's on iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, all the usual places. And also the website's leadingthelight.com. Say that too much, I can't even say it now. Uh, Twitter at leadingtheline. And um, of course, stay safe and we'll be back again soon. Thank you very much for listening. Cheerio, bye.